guys, hello and welcome back. I'm Jojo Fraser, it's time for a Mojo Injection, episode 54, welcome back. Thank you so much for all the feedback I had last week about the brain-gut connection. What an incredible episode, so much great content in there and it was just incredible to get all that feedback and know that it's helping people and it's really helped me as well. I've had a brilliant week. It was actually Healthy Eating, um, National Healthy Eating Week just passing. I have been so good this week. Like I've been chopping veg and fruit and genuinely feeling amazing for just making a little bit more time um, and I definitely give that episode some credit and a lot of the other discussions I've been having behind the scenes with experts in the industry and people that have just got a lot to share and you know when I stand up I had a, a few talks last week when I stand up in front of corporates or you know people at, at events and, and give them all the, the tips and try and put my spin on it and entertain people I need to be standing up there practicing what I preach. So I, I think for me, it's been a real kick up the butt just to keep up with my healthy eating and of course, all the other stuff that I do behind the scenes, such as mindful meditation. I um, did a little bit of hypnosis the other night. It was quite ambitious because the kids were in the house, but do you know what really annoyed me? The kids actually didn't bother me. It was Hubs. He, he totally interrupted me when I was hypnotized, asking me to do housework. I was raging um anyway um i love it like took me to this amazing beach and um, starting to reprogram my mind just to make all the good choices and it really does work you know i've written about this but you need to stay consistent with it um so i am delighted to be back i spoke on bbc radio earlier all about our screen addiction and i just had an update to say that actually my screen usage was up last week oopsie i have been feeling quite creative um and i've just been making a lot of content but genuinely i have been checking it and it's been decreasing but it's an issue we all struggle with so i'll just let you hear what i said to um the radio scotland team this morning hopefully it's of use to you and then i'm going to tell you all about my amazing guest this week who is awesome and oh my days this is such an inspirational conversation So, two kids, Bonnie is six and Charlie's four. And is it a struggle to get them to go outdoors and play? It can be. The thing is, screens are so addictive. There's so much fun, there's so much content on there. But I try and talk to them about, you know, screens a bit like a chocolate bar, okay? So we can enjoy it. But at the same time, there's a big world out there. We need fresh air. We need to get these natural, happy hormones kicked in. And it's really important for us, just like exercise and eating our fruit and vegetables. So it's a constant battle, though, because, you know, screens, it's a new addiction for adults and kids. Yeah, and it's sort of modelling that as well, isn't it, with them putting our own phones down sometimes and doing that. Do you find that um, when, they, when you do manage to get them to put down their tablets or their phones and they go outside, they're not quite sure what to do? <laughs> um, yeah I mean it can be hard I think kids though they, they're a great example for us they lead the way you know they bounce out of bed rearing to go they've got this amazing energy that I find so inspirational so I once we do get away from the screens they tend to just be you know looking at the butterflies perhaps talking about bees and, and do they sting mum and um, you know just running about playing a game of tig um, just having a laugh we always come back feeling you know 
energized after being outside but it's just actually getting out the door that is the hard part you know put your screens off let's get your shoes on let's get some fresh air okay maybe it's raining but come on we'll have a laugh um, and if it's really cold, we can come back, run a hot bath and, you know, just giving them incentives. You know, I do things like a spa afternoon. So if we go out and we go along the shore with the, the scooters, then we'll come back and we'll have, we'll put some nice oils, perhaps get some lavender from the garden and make a, an oil for the bath. And we'll have like a bit of a spa pamper session after. Oh, that sounds um, so nice. Giving them, yeah, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's bring another parent into the conversation conversation I think certainly for me as a parent it's always easier to get the kids outdoors if you can take a few kids with you if it's just a family walk there's that kind of draggy feet and oh are we nearly you know they can't bear it if you take a squad of kids with you um they don't notice and they're having fun the whole way Absolutely. I think distraction is key. You know, the thrive of we all need connection away from our screens so we don't become robots. So they thrive off, you know, getting their cousins or their friends. Let's take the scooters out. Let's go and explore that little castle or we'll go to that little walled garden. And, you know, when they've got company, yeah, you're more likely to play and see it as a bit of an adventure and you know we know ourselves as adults when we go for a walk we can really connect we can you know recharge and it's it's really important we set that example early on um but it's hard of course it's hard it's a you know we just need to keep going and, and it's such a good point kids you know they mirror us if it if we normalize getting outside then it's not going to be a big deal so it's it's being strict yourself to say right i'm going to sign up for that park run or that 10k to get me outside more sometimes we need a goal to actually get us out the door otherwise there's so many distractions to keep us from getting outside you know there's so many opportunities online now I've, I've built a brand from being you know from having a social presence I, that's how I sell my book and my podcast and stuff so I understand how much you know how addictive it can be on the screen but I also understand that I'm more creative and happier as are my kids when we take that time to get outside. Jojo thank you very much indeed for joining us So I'd love to know what your thoughts are on um, how we can, one, get kids and the younger generation outside more, and two, as adults, how, you know, tips to get yourself outside more. Now, I had an amazing podcast earlier this week um, with Susan from Streamline Personal Training, and she was talking about how she was just brought up in a really sporty family, so that's natural for her to have that desire to do it. Not everyone has that luxury, and um, I'd be really keen to get feedback on what you guys do to get yourself out more, um, and if you're struggling to get outside as well, um, because we can all be like that. Um, So, time for a mojo injection. I have Justine Mitchell as my guest this week. Justine is the founder of Chamomile Sanctuary, which is a lovely boutique spa at the West End of Edinburgh, offering some lovely treatments. You've seen my nails, guys. Yep, I've had a lot of compliments on my nails. and just loads of treatments and a really nice vibe she's created there she also has a copy of the mojo injection which i love getting um, selfies from people holding it so thanks for that um and yeah move over botox it's time for a mojo injection no if you love botox listen that's your choice i think the key is doing what is right for you and we talk about casey which is another treatment which is really good um but yeah apart from talking about beauty stuff and how amazing justine looks holy shimoli um we talk about uh grief 
we talk about raising a child when they've lost a parent, which just had me in tears, but a very powerful discussion. We talk about equal rights. Justine also was on the board of Dundee United. So this girl has, whoa, she is a feisty woman, you know, and I just love it. She's a powerhouse and really inspirational to us gals that want to, you know, do more and feel like, you know, it's a man's world. It's not, you know, women are um, the Dalai Lama. He was like, women are the leaders of the generation. But look, you know, we're all capable. So I think Justine's a really empowering person to chat to. Um, listen, I know guys tune in too, and I'm all about, you know, we talk about gender stereotypes. I'm all about loving everyone and having, um, you know, respect for each other and compassion. We talk about so much. Um, I'm just really pleased with this and then we sing at the end. So thank you, Justine. This is going to help so many people. I appreciate so much you giving up the time to come to uh, the Mojo Injection Towers <laughs> and uh, sing and dance and, and share so openly to help other people. Um, so thank you so much. Let's bring this amazing gem of a person on. Have you here? Welcome, lovely. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Looking fabulous. Well, thank you. I don't know about that, but yeah, okay, I'll take that. Thank you. I did comment <laughs> on one of your photos. I was like, holy crap, right? Tell me what the skincare is, or you've got good genes, we've established that. Mm-hmm. But if you were to pick one skincare product that makes you look, you know, it's that kind of glowy thing, what would you go for? Oh gosh, one one skincare product. It's or kind a of, couple. It's kind of combination. Okay. I've always, I was just saying this earlier, I've always drunk two litres of water a day mm-hmm. uh, and I think that gives you great skin or it helps with your skin. Yeah. And I've always used good skincare products. Um, currently using Gino products. Oh, I love the Gino. Uh, and I just uh, love Gino. Just, yeah. it's, 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 pretty affordable mm-hmm. um they have products for every different type of skin mm-hmm. um so at the moment i'm using gosh i can't even remember now i i, I kind of chop and change it's like you know you're here they recommend that you should change every so often your products because your hair gets used to it it's the same oh, for your skin right. so every so often uh, kirsty my manager at the spa she'll basically say no you need to change that justine so I think I'm using Long V Cellular, which is uh, for my moisturiser, okay. and I've got Hydrocellular, which is um, a serum underneath it, and I've also got eye cream as well. So use them religiously morning and evening. Good. Okay. Some of us get lazy at night. Yeah, I'm not so great at taking off my makeup. Mm-hmm. I'm quite bad at that. But um, I don't wear foundation. Never have. No way. No, I don't wear any foundation. I've not actually got foundation on today. I'm you don't need it. I can feel my skin feels... Oh. Because I'm going out tonight, so I thought I don't like to apply too much makeup twice, because I'm funny about that. Don't know why. Um, But uh, you don't wear foundation? No, I never have. Don't really kind of need to. Um, So I only wear, if I'm honest, I just wear eyeliner, um, mascara, a bit of lippy, maybe a bit of blusher, and that's really it. Unless I need concealer for any odd spot that might appear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you look well. You look fabulous. So oh, thank you. It's a good ad for the spa when they, you know, practice what you preach. Because people say to me, right, are you happy? How's your mojo? I'm like, 
I'm, I'm still working on myself. It's fine. Don't worry. We're, we're doing good. Uh, I'm practicing what I preach. But yeah, no, I think you... I So I heard you speak at, uh, at the breakfast, Newbie Core breakfast. Mm-hmm. We'd met before, but I was in tears when I heard you talk because I didn't really know your full story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really moved. And I just saw standing there like a, a strong woman who was happy to be to be open and, and real you know and I think that's mm-hmm. so important because it can be hard to sort of put yourself out there can't it very hard especially internally you're not feeling it mm-hmm. and the, what you really want to do is go away and hide in a wee corner yeah. um, and you don't have that option um, and I think we all look at other people and look at other people's lives and you think oh they look so happy or look at that family or look at this and you don't know what goes on behind closed doors and what goes on in that person internally yeah um, so it's been a hard yeah that's so you know it's been 10 years since my husband and my dad died mm-hmm. um, for people who don't know they died in October 2008 uh, within three days of each other. Mm, uh, so um, we were actually going up to see my dad up in hospital. He had cancer, prostate cancer, and it was kind of a, a last journey for the kids. Mm. Um, and Ken decided to take his motorbike, which I never, ever, ever wanted him to have. Uh, and he came off the motorbike and I was in the car, in our car in front. Mm. So um, saw the whole thing and he, he died instantly. Um, and Monty, my son, our son, was uh, 13 months old at the time. And he was in the car with you? Yeah, he was in the car, and also Ken had been married before, so he had a daughter, Jessica, who was 10 at the time, and she was in the car too. Oh, my goodness. Um, So, yeah, so, um, I mean, I can talk about it now. Uh, It doesn't mean that I don't don't still have my moments. I do still have my moments. I had one literally yesterday. A song came on the radio, and... My heart just went out, you know, Um, and I think everybody who grieves, um, we all have our moments. We, I don't think, I don't think you move on uh, when you lose somebody. I think you move forward. Uh, But it's like for me, it's like a sticking plaster. You know, you put the plaster on every so often, the plaster, a little bit will come off and sometimes it rips off and you put a plaster back on. And that's kind of what it's like, I think. But it's not a bad thing because, you know. You don't want to lose your memories. You want yeah. to keep your memories. Yeah. You don't want to forget about it. Um, but that's like a proper bad, like, you know, when you talk of your mojo, your happy state, and I, I say in the book, it can sort of gradually start to, you know, if you're stressed at work or you're, you're struggling with the relationships, it can gradually start to be impacted. Or it can be like one day, boom, that. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's so hard to try and, makes sense like so it just seems so unlucky and so harsh to for someone for you to have to go through that and at the time you were probably like why is this happening you know I had I had a very lovely life um um brought up in lovely family dad worked hard worked his way from the bottom up to the top set up his own company very successful very loving had a great relationship with my parents um and I was hard enough to deal with and come to terms with the fact that my dad was dying with cancer. Um, and then for that to happen, you know, with Ken as well, no, you don't expect it. And it was, I mean, you know, total implosion of my life. Um, and people say, oh, you're so strong that you'd managed to get on and da-da-da. Do you know, I, as for me, I didn't have any option. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had Monty. He was 13 months old. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my friend, you know, friends were there for the two weeks after all the funerals, you know, after the deaths and things. And the, but everybody kind of disappeared to get back on my throne. Life's quite rightly so yeah. after the funerals. And my mum was grieving for my dad up in Dundee. Um, my brother was um, dealing with the football club and I was kind of left on my own. Um, and so I had no, you have no option. You've got a child to look after. And so that's what I did. You know, you just get on with it. Um, so no, it hasn't been easy at all. Um, I think everybody just looks at me and thinks, oh, there's a strong woman, you know, etc. And yes, I am strong, but I think, I think you find, you find the strength even more so when you go through things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've certainly... I mean, the first few years were just horrendous. I cannot begin to describe it. And I don't know what I would have done without Monty, if I'm honest. I just don't know where I would have been without him. And he's kept me going. He's like, he's the love of my life. He's, he's mm-hmm. just, you know, my pride and joy and I adore him. Um, so the first few years, yeah, pretty horrendous. Mm-hmm. And you then slowly but surely you start put, putting your life back together again. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had to build a brand new life, brand new friends, uh, friendships. Um, obviously, I set up the business Chamomile as well, um, and uh, you know I'm in a good place now, mm-hmm. but it's been a long, long journey. Yes, and uh, the lessons it would have taught you would be absolutely immense. Did you find talking therapy, or do you have to be ready for that? Because I speak to a lot of people that grieve and. Some would say, oh, I don't, uh, talking therapy isn't for me. And then others would say, oh, it's essential. Well, I would never tell somebody what to do. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who knows me listening to that, I'll think, yes, you do tell people what to do, Justine. Uh, but uh, on a more serious note, uh, I would uh, most certainly recommend uh, getting help. Um, and I've heard it from other people. You hear they say, "Oh, I'm not ready yet," or "I'm not in the right place yet." Do you know you're never in the right place for something like that? Mm-hmm. And I would just highly recommend going to get help. Um, I have had different help. Um, the first was it was um, a counsellor. She was actually a psychologist, and that was about five weeks, maybe four or five weeks after the deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started going twice a week. I had no one to talk to, and I was just, oh, you can imagine. Of course. Um, and then, you know, I kept on going twice a week and then it got less and it was once a week and then it was once a fortnight and so on and so forth until at some point I decided that um, I really wasn't getting anything from that anymore. But she, it was more a case of her listening and listening to me. Yeah, and, okay. And, yeah. So you've got that space to try and process everything. Yes, and to talk to somebody. I didn't really have anyone properly to talk to Mm -hmm. and even if I had there's only so much that you can offload onto a friend yeah um and you need to speak to somebody professional who's going to listen um so that happened for I don't know how long I saw her for and then that I stopped that and then um sometime later this is a few years down the line um I kind of hit I felt like I'd fallen down through a black hole again Mm -hmm. uh gone back to square one um, just struggling with everything. So I got a life coach, actually. Mm-hmm. Somebody had recommended her, Debbie, and she was absolutely amazing. And it was just totally different. So when she arrived, uh, she said, right, what is it you want to achieve? What is it you're looking for? And I looked at her and thought, oh, right, okay. Um, and I said, well, I want to be happy. And she said, okay. 
And she said, on a scale of one to 10, where are you in happiness? And I just said a one. That's And where would you like to be? And I said, five would be amazing. Um, and then we just kind of looked at my whole life and trying to work out what was creating, not what was creating unhappiness, but lots of all the turmoil and issues and death and everything else and just trying to deal with all of that. And then she left me having to put together a board okay. uh, and put on it um, all the things that I wanted to happen, mm-hmm. whether it be sell a property or or go somewhere with Monty or whatever it was. Um, and I did that and she came back, I don't know, six or nine, six, maybe nine months later. And I'd done everything that I'd put on the board. Wow. And yeah, um, and it's amazing. It just made me focus and I needed that focus yeah. at that point. Um, so I saw her in probably about, I think, three times. Okay. She was fabulous. And then lastly, um, I then saw another counsellor um, more recently because um, of Monty. Mm-hmm. Um, Monty, when he, be, when he turned about eight, mm-hmm. um, he started to become very aware that he didn't have his dad and all his friends did, most of his friends did. Mm-hmm. And even if they were separated or divorced, the fact was he would still see their dad. Yeah. Um, and he was, I mean, he was coming through to my bed to my bedroom at two in the morning, crying his eyes out, sobbing, saying he wanted his daddy. That's horrendous. And yeah, it was horrendous. Um, and it's the one thing, you know, as a parent, you're supposed to be able to fix everything. Yeah. And it was one thing I couldn't fix. Mm. I can't give him his dad back. Mm-hmm. Um, it just broke my heart. Mm. Um, so I had to get him help. Um, and I got help through Richmond's Hope. And they're a charity for bereaved kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are absolutely amazing. I would highly recommend to anyone if they have a bereaved, you know, child in their family. Mm-hmm. Um they, yeah, there is a waiting list, but absolutely amazing. So he had he had 12 weeks or whatever it was of that once a week. Mm-hmm. Um and that was horrendous for me because it just took me right the way back again and it was, yeah. you know, opened up a lot of stuff again. But it was great because we came out of it, me thinking, right, you know. This is Monty and I. We are the family. I, I felt I had this hole, mm-hmm. and I think that I had reflected onto Monty, so that he felt he had this hole too. They pick up on things, don't they? Everything, yeah. everything. And he's a very astute little boy. He's so he he just knows. Um, so I I think through that process uh, we came out of it, and we both kind of knew we are the family, and this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. And then and then through that, um, I think. He then got some more, uh, maybe a year or so later, and at that point, I um, there was things happening in my life, um, and I was having nightmares, um, coffins, and other things happening. So I decided to go and get some help again, mm-hmm. um, and this time it was from a, a trained psychologist um, who specialises in grief and trauma, um, and there were just things that I hadn't processed and dealt with mm-hmm. uh, I think my dad as well I didn't properly grieve for my father when he died because I was so consumed with Ken dying before my dad died you see yeah, I was pretty shock. oblivious to what was going on so I think that kind of you know had a came back it's, to me it's like when you're holding things that need released and then you perhaps don't realize as you're saying and then it, it hits you oh actually yeah I needed more time to uh-huh. deal with that and but, you bury things or I, I don't know the process that they would use yeah 
But um, he was—he's been—he was amazing. I don't see him anymore. But he was abs. I could not highly recommend him. He was just amazing because there was just—you know—I um, think I was going through uh, periods. It'd be months and months and months and months of just—I mean, I just—I'm a doer, but doing too much and do 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 do. And then one day something would happen, or a catalogue thing of things would happen, mm-hmm. and I would just—you know—crumble into a heap. As we, you know, we all get those days. Mm-hmm and weep and feel the loss and, and just things and I, and then of course the next day right let's start again but you know because that because you don't have any option you know and I was kind of stuck in that cycle and I knew I had to change it and that's why I went to see him and he did help me change it uh, and I am in a much much happier place now uh, much much happier and Monty's happier because mummy's happier as well it's so true the sort of effects that you have was there something specifically said where you had a light bulb moment or a technique that was taught or just for people that mm-hmm. may need something no light bulb moment absolutely not um gosh I'm trying to think just there was you know I think as well, looking at the way sometimes I handled things and dealt with things and why I acted in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, it made me realise I had to break some cycles and break the way I sometimes reacted to things or dealt with things. Okay. Um, and he helped me understand how I, you know, how I was and how I dealt with these things. I don't know if I'm explaining myself yeah. very well. Yeah. So why you would react a certain way or... And it was it learned behaviour or habits you picked up or a, a safety barrier? Mm-hmm. You know, for example, some people are total perfectionists. They need to be doing stuff all the time. Um, and then perhaps it gets to the point where they're exhausted because they're, they're yeah. doing all the time. Or, you know, we pick up all these behaviours yeah. and patterns, don't we? And it's mm-hmm. trying to unpick and explore if that is the way we want to be or if we need to cut ourselves some slack yeah. or... What, what you did say, actually, uh, which is relevant, I guess, especially to yourself and what you stand for and who you are be kind to yourself mm-hmm. and I think where I was was I was always doing so much and he likened me to not a bin but he, he, he got you know he would say look you've got if you've got a bin and you've got two hands and you're doing so much and you're overloading and overloading you're putting all this into the bin mm-hmm. uh, and then the bin when you put the lid on but the, the lid wants to come off because it's bursting with so many things uh-huh. and so you've got one hand on the bin because you've got to keep it close you're only left with one hand to do things with so you're never gonna you know no wonder you don't cope at times and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and he made me reassess a lot of things and he made me work out that you know um I was doing I was doing too much mm-hmm. uh, and also was creating no time for myself whatsoever mm-hmm. no me time mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of go well I don't have the time I've got to look after more and I've got to look after my business I've got to do this I've got to do that da, 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 you know like an express train and he's he kept on saying to me be kind to yourself go home run a bath take some time for yourself you can do it and things like, you know and all that sort of thing and that that for me was actually a huge thing because I never created made any time for myself. And when you did create time, at first, did you feel guilty or did yes. you feel a resistance? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Must be doing this. Should be doing that. That was the other thing because I was I was always full of I must do this. I should do that. Yeah. Always when I first went to see him, mm-hmm. and he and he was like, why why are you like that? You know, we need to address why you you know it's must must must. It's like you've got this obligation or this guilt that you have to do things. And I would always say, well, if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? Yes, yes. This is so common, though. This oh, is, I know. This is so... especially for women. 
Yeah. Especially for women. And that's not a sexist comment. It's just a fact because, you know, you know, working women, we still are the ones that, I, you know, we are the main carers most of the time for the kids. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, we've got amazing dads and fathers out there who are very much involved, but we're kind of, we're doing a lot. Yeah, an awful lot. And mm -hmm. it's, I think we need to smash down those stereotypes as well because it's almost like it's expected. Oh, they'll pick it up and um, it's not it's not helpful. You know, I hate mm -hmm. gender stereotypes. I was on um, a BBC radio interview and the chat was why women take on so much and, and why we end up doing more housework. And I was saying, well, actually, my husband used to run a guest house with his family, so he does more. He does the laundry because he likes the way he does it. Oh, He's a total perfectionist. So I gave up. I was like, <laughs> when you do it, it's never good enough, so you bash on, and he does. But then sometimes I'll get comments like, that's that's not right. You sh you know you should be doing it. Why? Well, because uh, you'll do other things in the house. Yeah, we've got our other roles. You know things like well, you know just we we split the cooking. We always do the dishes together, and he I have to dry because he washes better. <laughs> so you just have these funny ways, don't you? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I just think I think a lot of it comes. To, I think as a as a whole. It's more common for the women to take on a lot of the housework. And I don't know if that's just because women are seen as more like keeping things in order. Or so gender stereotypes, you know, we need to work at them. And this brings me on perfectly with Dundee United when you were involved. Um, talk to us about that because you were the only female on the board. Is that right? Yes. Um, my mum had been I think vice chair or something but uh, I don't think she actively you know kind of was active as a director as such so yes when mm -hmm. I went on to it yes I was the the only female as such mm -hmm. um yeah I mean I've been following you know I've been supporting United since I was 14 uh my my dad uh, moved from Glasgow up to Dundee in 1965 mm -hmm. um and at that time he'd been supporting Motherwell um, and I don't think people travelled as much at that stage. Um, so when he moved to Dundee, he decided to choose a team in Dundee. Dundee were the better team at the time, but Dad chose United. Mm -hmm. And then my brother started going when he was born, you know, with my dad. And then it was when United won the league in 82-83. So um, whole of Dundee was going absolutely crazy. And I thought, hmm. I want a piece of that. I quite like this. So I started going with my dad the following season and then I got a season ticket book and so on and so forth. And I'd go to every home and away match with my dad. Away matches and make up rolls and flasks of tea and everything, sit and eat them in the car, you know, before the game. And it was a real bonding thing as well, you know, with my dad. It was lovely. And when United were in Europe, we went over to Barcelona, Gothenburg, when they're in the UEFA Cup. So I had amazing times and very lucky and very privileged. And then went away to uni, uh, so I didn't really do, see United much and then um, started going seeing going to more games once I came down to Edinburgh mm -hmm. and then dad then bought the club much to our consternation in 2002 mm -hmm. uh, because it's literally like throwing money down a drain when you buy a football club and just gives you stress and takes all your money <laughs> um, so yeah but, so dad uh, dad ran it and then um, uh, he'd wanted me to run it when he was dying um, and uh, that didn't happen obviously because my husband died mm -hmm. and my brother then took over um, but then mum mum had all the shares transferred to her mm -hmm. and then she decided some years later that she wanted to kind of prepare for the future so she transferred the shares to my brother and I mm -hmm. and um, I went onto the board mm 
Um, How was that as a female, a strong female? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, I knew quite a few people anyway because I'd been going to a lot of the, you know, a lot of the grounds anyway for many years with my dad and so on. So I knew people at the kind of executive level anyway. Um, but it was quite different going onto the board yeah. um, because I remember walking into a few places um, before Anne Budge was involved actually at Hearts when they had Romanoff, and I remember walking in with my fellow male directors. And the Hearts directors, none of them are now there. They've got a great club now. I mean, Ambudge has done amazing things with Hearts, amazing things. But prior to that, the Hearts directors came over, shook all my fellow directors' hands and totally ignored me. Oh, that's... And it happened in a uh, couple of other places. And it was just really... You're like, hello, hello, I'm here, I have a voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just, and I couldn't quite believe it was actually happening. So I just went off and bought some black suits and some uh, orange tangerine blouses and gave myself a uniform because uh, we only had uniforms for men at United, not for, for women. Um, and I then started walking into the boardrooms, looking the part, you know, like I belonged as such. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I mean, some of the times uh, I could see that they were about to ignore me and I just thrust my hand out. Yeah. Justine Mitchell, director, you know, um, but it's ridiculous that I had to do that. But so male dominated. I mean, I was the only female director of a premiership club in Scotland for one of the seasons. I think it was 2014 to 2015 or something yeah. because Hibs had been relegated. So they were in the, the league below and they had Amanda Jones and Leanne Dempster. Yeah. Um, and I think Anne Budge, I can't remember, but I think she she maybe wasn't quite involved. Then I can't really remember the chrono- chronological order, but whatever it was, I was the only female at that time, which is incredible because there must have been, if you take 12 clubs, at least five directors, if not more, that's mm. over 60 people. And I was the only female at that point. It was only for one season, but you know. That is a lot. Ridiculous. So what, what advice for, for people going into that a, a male-dominated industry where you feel like you're really having to fight to make you yourself heard? Because at the end of the day, it's so much about relationships, you know, running a business. Well, it is, totally. I mean, we were saying this earlier. That was th- That's what I did do was I just, you know... Um, uh, football's like a business you've got to build up relationships and that's how you move your business forward and that's how you get on uh, and I worked hard at building up relationships and I had some really good relationships and I'm still in touch with quite a few people from f- the football world um, and uh, I just decided to make the difference and add value so that's why I set up the women's team mm. um, when I was uh, on the board um, and got involved with the community staff as well um, but it, you know, there's another example actually. It's something I've not said before, um, because I was still involved with United, or I owned the shares after I'd left. But which was that I decided I wanted to set up a women's team. It was ridiculous that the club at that size didn't have one. Yeah. And I sat around the boardroom table, uh, and I was basically told, "Yes, you can, but you're not to get any. You're, you're not getting any money from United. You'll have to do it yourself." Mm. And it's different. It's different owners now, and different directors. Uh, there's nobody left from that that time. Um, but that just I couldn't believe it. I, I had to, so I had to go out and basically source sponsors for the kit so we could buy the kit. That's Didn't crazy. get the kit from the club. Nothing. They let sorry. They let us use the the the. It was the the. 3G pitch opposite mm-hmm. Tanadice to train mm-hmm. a couple of times a week, but we had to really kind of work around people who were paying to play football on it. 
so we had to kind of slot in but they did give us that opportunity but that was it everything else we had to we had to get sponsors to pay referees to pay for football to pay for kit wow that's a slog have things improved since then massively massively it's totally different now um you know the girls are doing amazing well i'm so proud of them they're in the premier league now which is amazing only after a few seasons so proud fab um and um they're now doing a lot more with the club Mm -hmm. Uh, and as i said it's different directors and owner now so uh, i believe you know i understand that it's a lot closer and they're getting a lot more support which is what they should have had in the first place it was a real fight you know, a real slog. Well, well done, because your voice will have made an impact there, even though it didn't happen in the timeline you would have liked. But think of the influence you had. So be proud of that. And oh, thank you. That's great that changes have been made, because there's still a lot of work to do in various, you know, not just football, but this stuff still goes on, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Yeah, it just does. Um, I mean, I, I, I was brought up in a, a male world and with my dad and, you know, with his business. And I was saying again to you earlier as well that I can still remember, you know, um, I would go away on conferences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And all the business people, they'd all be men. Mm-hmm. The women also always seemed to be the backroom staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah ridiculous when you think about it it has changed a lot i think football though uh, is still i don't care what anyone else says but it's behind definitely behind yeah there's work to be done absolutely (laughs) we're all a work in progress but this is good discussions like this they raise awareness they get people talking they educate people and that's what we want to do yeah so as a strong businesswoman what advice would you give to people that may be struggling right now with kind of gender inequalities or struggling to have their voice heard do you know it's really hard um gosh i don't know what advice to give um i think you have i think the one of the problems that a lot of women have is they don't believe in themselves mm-hmm. um and you need to start believing in yourself mm-hmm. um and ha- find that confidence because you have it somewhere and find that strength because it is there it's in underneath the surface of Absolutely. all the limiting yeah. beliefs and stories other people it tell is. us. But it's like, you know, what's her name? Uh, Cheryl Sandberg, you know, the, the Lean In book. Whether you agree with what she does or not, it's another matter. I have my own thoughts. Uh, but, there, you know, there's there's certain things in that book uh, that you just kind of think, really? Um, like, you know, um, putting the kids to bed. She, she, put, she basically put the kids in school uniform and put them to bed. So that she could, you know, she was ready. The, they were ready the next morning because she had to leave early in the morning. You know, maybe a bit extreme. But. Yeah, but the other, the, the other one was was yeah. So it was David. It was David and Goliath, and it's um by was it Malcolm Gladwell, and it's all about what you perceive as advantages or disadvantages, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Okay. And one of them is about women and how there'll be like a job spec. And you'll have a man looking at it and a woman looking at it. The man will, will look at it and go, well, can do that, can do that, can do that, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. Yeah, I'll apply for that. Yep, yeah, uh-huh. A woman will look at that and go, can do that. Yes, yes, yes. No, I can't do that, can't do that. Oh, I don't know if I can apply for that because I don't tick all the boxes. That's the difference. Right. And it's the self-belief uh-huh. that we need to we need to believe in ourselves more. Because that person, that woman who's looked at that and, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that, well, maybe I shouldn't apply. She's probably just as qualified, if not more qualified than the man. Yeah. I don't know what it is. There's something in us that we are different. We are different from men. Yeah. Step, when we step back, perhaps. Yes, we do. We do. And it's hard. It's really hard at times. 
and to make your voice voice heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think sometimes uh, some women, uh, you know, to make their voice heard, they, they push themselves forward more and they shouldn't have to. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I was in a room recently and it was a group of people and we were being asked to encourage, it was a business event and all the guys were just chatting and and I was like looking around going right all the guys are talking there's women in the circle so I just jumped in and then once I jumped in other females started talking I thought that's funny that isn't it even (laughs) now you know that's and, and perhaps it is just a confidence thing, you know, men generally have... But it, but it is a gender thing as well, because, you know, it's like going out for dinner. You know, mm. men will think nothing of going out for dinner on their own. How many women do you see going out on their own for dinner? No, Not I many, do you? <laughs> I do well, good lot, for but Good yeah. for you. But yeah, I know, that's, I know people will see that as weird, but... Yeah. But it's not, it should be natural. Yeah. And it's not, it's like this gender-based thing. And it, it's from it's from generations of the mm. way we've been. Yeah. And it is hard to change. I think things are changing. I think it's hard, hard to change. It's very hard to change. Um, sometimes I feel a bit like a man. I don't know if you ever, do people ever say that to you? Like, well, I, I'm, I've been told I'm an alpha female. <laughs> I'm not quite sure whether I take that as a compliment or not. <laughs> No, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. Strong woman and chamomile is just fab. My nails are I've had so many compliments on my nails this month. Um I'm loving it and I'm always flapping them around because one a gel bottle, isn't it? It is. And I, I've had your turquoise gel bottle. I'm kind of hooked. I'm really hooked. Um I'm a shellac girl. A shellac girl. Mm-hmm. Why? Um that's a good question. Um yeah, I don't know. I just I'm quite happy with shellac. Um and yeah, I, I, I don't know how to answer that one, actually. Sorry, Jojo. But um, I have to say, it's a chore for me getting my nails done. Um, I shouldn't be broadcasting that, but it's a total chore because uh, I never used to have my nails done until I had the spa. And it's the first thing people look at are my nails. I mean, you could just glance at them just now. I literally just had the shellac taken off this morning because I haven't had the chance to get it put back on. But I always make sure I've got good nails and lovely colours so people can see them. But I'm literally sitting there and it's like such a chore. It's like, oh, get them off, get it back on again. I could be doing this, I could be doing that. And my head's just like, Ugh. I think you need to use the time to put an audio book in and just say, look, I'm just going to do some training, you know, if there's an area of it, then that might make you feel better. That's. I think you're probably right. I should be yeah. listening to something or doing something. I have made more time for myself, though. We we're talking about that, you know, about being kind and making time. Mm-hmm. So since um, I, last year when I was uh, when I was 49 and I was kind of getting a bit, oh, gosh, I'm 49 and I'm going to turn 50. This is awful. And uh, and then January came along and I thought, no, I need to embrace this. I'm going to embrace this. I'm in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm going to arrange lots of different things for this year for my 50th. But also, I'm going to set aside time for me. Yes, good. Gold star. Well, so far I've been pretty good, actually. So I've been having a... So I put facials in in January every week, right mm-hmm. up until my birthday last month. And... I then got Kirsty, my manager, to then put them in for the rest, the next number of months. And I've missed a few, yeah. but I've been getting, uh, and I literally arrange it for a day. I know I'm in the spa, and then I just slip downstairs for an hour, um, and I make that time. And it's made a huge difference, because I felt that um, uh, my jowl is slightly kind of, just a wee bit going, a you wee bit. You look great. Oh, thanks. But you know when you see it yourself? It's your, it's your lens, so you have to do what's right. Yeah. For you, if it's yeah. annoying you, then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's personal. So, yeah, so I decided to start giving myself some facials. Mm-hmm. So I get the 
So I alternate um, with the KC non-surgical facelift and um, the ComKit microchanneling. Okay. Uh, so the KC, they call it the next best thing to Botox. So if you don't want Botox, etc., it's like the equivalent of doing 300 sit-ups on your tummy, but you're doing it on your face. I think a lot of celebs. Is, does Jennifer is Lopez? Jennifer or? Lopez, Madonna, uh-huh. uh, Jennifer Aniston, Emma Stone. It's quite a lot of them do it. Keen um, to try. Can, I'm, 30, I'm 36. Do you think... Well, they say I'm getting some lines around there, and I'm, I'm refusing. I'm refusing Botox. You're despite, six. Oh, you're making me feel rubbish now. <laughs> I think I look older though. I never get ID'd. <laughs> but a few friends have said, you know, why don't you get some Botox? And I'm just not really that drawn to it. I can see why people, some people love it, but I just worry I'd get addicted to it. I, I um. I wouldn't want to have Botox. That's just my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be honest. Uh, I did think about fillers mm-hmm. over the last uh, six months or last ye- six months to a year um, because I wanted to kind of lift my face. Um, and then I thought, this is ridiculous. Justine, you have a spa. Let's try the anti-aging treatments. You know, I've had them before, but not a proper regular, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no. So that's why I booted myself in for, for the comb kit and the Casey. And I have been really chuffed with what, what I've achieved with it. So, because the, the, the Casey, um, it lifts, so it re-educates the muscles. So microcurrent, uh, we apply with probes onto your face okay. and it lifts your muscles. So, because as you get older, you're, you lose your collagen mm-hmm. uh, and so you can start to droop. Okay. And the, the muscles aren't working properly. Okay. So it basically gets your muscles moving. Mm. Uh, so um, abs- so it's brilliant. KCC recommend you should start late 20s, mm. um, which I, I kind of thought was a bit early. Mm-hmm. But that said, it doesn't reverse the process. So once you start, you can't reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will slow down the aging process. And yeah. it's brilliant. And then the Calm Kit's amazing. My favourite. You need to try it. It's yeah. fabulous. It's like micro-channeling. So it's a little roller mm-hmm. with little needles on it. Uh-huh. Um, and we use cryo-oxygen, so it's like freezing oxygen onto the face, so it cools uh-huh. it all down. Uh-huh. It also helps with plumping. And then um, uh, we put the wee roller on, apply it to all of the face, and at the same time, hyaluronic acid is infused into the punctures into your skin. It's not painful at all. Yeah. Um, and then we then another we do more oxygen, and then we have a mask on. And it's like the silk sheet on top of the case on your top of the face. It just finishes your face off. The texture is amazing and it lifts as well. So um, that's what I've been doing, and it feels great. And I've definitely noticed a difference. I've, I've seen in some of the pictures, some of my recent photos, my face just looks plumper. Yeah, I've noticed it. No, you look great. No, it's, thanks. It's a good ad for it. I'm but, keen. But the the, the, the filler thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think everyone each to their own. I think it's what makes you happy. You need to do what makes you happy, whether that be, you know, Botox fillers or whether it be um, no facials or whether it be Casey or whatever it may be. You need to do what you're happy with and what makes you feel happy because we're only here once. Yeah, you need to enjoy it. It was uh, concerning what's been in the press. So, I mean, there's people at 17, 18 going for Botox. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I think that's unnecessary. Yeah, so I think there is a lot of pressure to look a certain way with, you know, huge celebrities posting or whatever. And we need to be really conscious of that. I think there's a balance. Um, so, yeah, it's great for a bit of pamper and doing what you want to do. But as long as it's not getting to the stream where you're, abs- you know, you won't leave the house if you've... Do you know what I mean? That's not good. Yeah, I think... But there must be underlying reasons for that. Yeah, and and that's when we need more talking, we need more openness, and, you know, it can be easy to get fixated on anything Mm -hmm. um, to try and mask 
what's going on, which I think is so amazing with you sharing about, you know, different, you know, life coaches and psychologists and all this stuff. It's it's amazing um, to have that space and a safe space where someone's really listening to you as well. Mm-hmm. And they're listening mm-hmm. to what you're trying to say and doing the work on but yourself. I think th- the other thing for me is, as I said earlier, there's only so much and so often that you can speak to your friends about things mm-hmm. and only so much that they can take. Uh, and um, you you need sometimes to see somebody professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because you don't want to be seeing the same thing over and over as well to your friends, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard, isn't it? Very hard, and I was conscious of that at one point as well. Right, okay. Yeah, that, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I was conscious of, it was, I felt like I was a broken down record, you know, uh-huh, okay. with some of my friends, and, and you do get to that place where you think, you know, I need to go and get some help. Yeah. Um, and I'm the first advocate for to, to go and do that. I think, you know, it's done a, a wonders for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Shouldn't be ashamed of it at all. Yeah. I mean, in America, we've said on here before that most people have a therapist. It's just I kind know, of I know. my therapist and, you know, my self-care. And, I, you know, I love it. But we're, we're getting there. Changes are being made. So conversations mm-hmm. like this will be so inspiring. And it's incredible what you've done. And the... Spa is just lovely. I love it, Thank you. and you've got a great team there. And oh, they're like they're like they're like my family. They're like a second family for me. So nice. You know, they've just you know that's us being open now. It'll be nine years uh, in June, and the girls are absolutely amazing. Spend a lot of time, you know, um, getting the right girls in the team. Yeah, and the therapists are just amazing. They're just a lovely bunch of girls, um, and uh, they do a great job. Um, yeah, and it's kind of been my my saviour, the spa. Yeah, um, to focus on. Yeah, and I think, you know, I for me, there I saw certainly a gap mm-hmm. in the market with your standard beauty salons and your, your lovely hotel spas. And I wouldn't go to a hotel spa living in Edinburgh mm-hmm. unless I was away for the weekend. And I just thought we could create this kind of boutique um, spa, mm-hmm. uh, provide lovely treatments and a lovely kind of private elegant setting I mean we're right in the middle of the West End but once you're in the inside you know what it's like you wouldn't know yeah it's so handy yeah and it's just and it's it's quiet and it's just it just feels uh just relaxing and it's just it's lovely the nail bar is stunning Mm, thank you because we just got that refurbed in uh November it's gorgeous yeah I love it yeah love it well, I'm excited to see all that comes for you. Thank you. Uh, in the next 50 years. I know, gosh, wow. I don't feel 50. You don't look it. Oh, thank you. But you know how people say, oh, I don't feel my age or I don't feel 50. And actually, I genuinely don't feel 50. I feel like I should be 40. Do you know, I've got a post <laughs> going out because uh, I met with someone all about the generation gap, a lovely Sandra Burke, OBE, may I add. And uh, she's lovely. And we were speaking about this, like age is just a number. Like when I see people... I'm rubbish at guessing ages for one, but we're all this kind of energy and it shouldn't really matter what you, what age, like I don't feel like, you know, the X factor, the over categories and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Scott and I are watching the time. We don't feel, you know, they, they make it the over categories are so old. I'm I like, know, oh, I know. It's just a number, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You, I don't think we ever, and I was saying that to my mother-in-law, she's, you know, going to be 70 next year. She's like, I don't feel old. So... We're as old as it's, it's a state of mind, isn't it? It is a state of mind. It is a state of mind, definitely. Mm-hmm. One thing I didn't say was one thing I have learned is um, 
to stop putting uh, energy into negative things mm-hmm. uh, and put your energy into positive things. Yep, love you know, that. Um, that's one thing I've learned over the last few years. Get rid of the negative stuff and focus. I used to get you know bogged down by silly little things that would really annoy me, or you know, mm. and, I could, and you know, you just kind of have to go. You know what? I'm going to let that go. Yep. I'm going to focus on the good stuff. Yeah. And make that flourish. Yep, absolutely. No, that's a good life lesson because every day there can be little things that you could choose to let build. Where mm-hmm. actually. Let it be, let it be, uh, and sing through it. And um, what song are we going to sing? Have you got any ideas? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you only sprung that one on me right before we started talking. <laughs> well, music is life. To me, it's therapy, be it, I love all music as well, and all age, you know, all sort of categories of music, because mm-hmm. you were saying you had a, a song from every year playing. Yeah, that was for my 50th other weekend. Uh, I chose, uh, I had a DJ after dinner, and I chose, uh, I created a playlist from 1969 right up until 2019. We didn't get up to 2019, because he didn't start till half past 10 at night, <laughs> so we missed all that. But um, yeah, so one song from each year, so I had things started off, I think, with... Um, was it Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond? Sweet. Yeah, is that yeah. what you're wanting to do? Um, or you wanted to do one further along? Oh, I don't know. See, Sweet Caroline, I think of my dad. My dad loved, you oh. know, love. That's the thing with music, isn't it? It just gets you, gets you right in the heart. Yeah. When a song comes on, oh. and it just, you know, it gets you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It really does. Totally, totally. So, um, yeah, it was the eighties. It was, uh, we'd played a lot, well, obviously going through the 80s, which was my, my era. Mm-hmm. And it was hilarious because the dance floor was just mobbed yes. um, all the time. And then Rick Astley came on, never going to give you up. Because I chose that one thinking, that was great. Everybody loved that. The whole dance floor emptied. <laughs> People didn't like that <laughs> one. didn't like it. And then Erasure came on, a little respect. I love that And then, boom, the dance floor was full again. Oh, I love a little funny. respect. Well, men have a little respect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it well let's let's go put something on and we'll um sing us out you've been amazing thank, thank you, you so much it was lovely to be asked and to be here so thank you oh it's been great to have you here lots of love thank you Bye. Bye. sing it girl Mojo. They give me a call. Don't stop me because I'm having a good time. Don't stop me because I'm having a good time. I don't want to stop at all. Yes. Way to Mars. I'm a collision. I'm a satellite. I 
I'm not in control. control. I'm just a machine. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, 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 through the sky. Yeah. 200 degrees. That's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. I'm traveling at the speed of light. I'm gonna make a supersonic bed out of you. Thank <laughs> you.